First Nation of 8,000 people without a force, there's nothing equitable about that. Even upon their own studies, 85% of their uh, calls are related to Sikshiga. But when you don't have a force on the nation that knows the nation, that knows the roads, that knows the community, when you're talking about response time, that's those critical minutes, those critical seconds can make the difference between going to the hospital, going to the police, or going to the morgue. And if you look at the studies, we've done these studies, we've done policing studies, and um, you know, having our own force would, would, would save lives, reduce uh, response time, critical response time, as well as uh, from an economic standpoint. You know, when you have a police in the community, you have more of a, um, more of a, um, like a, uh, what's the word here? Preventative. You got more of a preventative uh, solutions. Where now it's all detective. It's all every. It's just response time. Just coming out to see, and 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 a lot of you heard. It's been in the news. We recently settled a large land claim. And since that land claim, the police calls that we've gotten have not been our own nation members. It's been other people coming on to the nation. But if we had our own force, we could we could protect our own people, and we would have a lot of those things uh, locked up. So um, again. The relationship we're looking forward is a mutual beneficial relationship. We've, uh, we've shown in the past that we are willing to, we want to help Alberta. We want to help our neighbors. A safe guy is a safe surrounding community, is a safer Alberta. So, you know, I think the future is very bright for guy. We have a lot of things uh, in, in the works, and we're looking forward to uh, the relationship that we're building with the, the province on developing our own force, as well as working with the federal government because it's going to take uh, collaboration from all three to uh, create the solution that's going to work for, for all of Sixiga, uh, for Alberta, and for Canada. So again, thank you for coming out, and we look forward to the, um, to the future endeavors of Sixiga and Sixiga's policing. Thank you.
Great question. Thank you for that. Um, so right now the feasibility study has been done. Um, a big part of the next step is now going to be for Canada to step up and to um, be able to unfreeze the First Nations and Inuit policing program to be able to move forward and, and for, the, for this to, to, um, to be funded and to be stood up. It does take some time for it to be stood up. Um, for the exact number of sworn members who are going to be in, in the service, um, I, I don't know. I, th I think there was some work that was done in the feasibility study, but I don't think we know the exact details yet on, on timing or numbers. Well, so, so first of all, uh, many of our indigenous uh, communities do fall under what would be the, the police, uh, provincial policing. Right now, our provincial policing is contracted out to the RCMP. Um, and we, I, I think as a, a province and as a government, want to work with our indigenous communities to make sure that those who have done the work and want to be able to have their own self-administered policing services in their communities, we want to be partners in, in making sure that that is possible for them. Um, for, for policing to be successful, it has to be bought into by the community. And um, so we as a government also believe that this is an important part of reconciliation and making sure that we're partners with our Indigenous communities and helping them make sure that they, they have the opportunity for self-administered policing services. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we have called on the federal government to, to, um, to finish now. This has been going on since 2019, so there have been a few times we've called on the federal government to finish this work. It's now been more than enough time to, to finish that review and to unfreeze, allow new entrants into the FNIPP, um, in particular the Siksika. And because the Siksika had previously had their own tribal police service, um, because they've, they're the furthest along in being able to have already done their feasibility study, this is the, the first one that, that I think can be, be stood up. Um, so um, the question, though, again, was how long do you think the, for the federal government? It's going to be up to them. And, and we're hoping that by, by showing Alberta is willing to work with the CICCA, that it is time for, for the, the federal government to, to unfreeze, finish the review, finish this off. Let's get going. Do you want to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, just to follow up on the last question, um, we've had, um, I can't remember, what was, your, what was your question again? I had an answer for you. Okay. This kind of goes to both questions. We're actually meeting with the federal government as well on Wednesday. Not signing the MOU, but having those conversations. So we've had um, multiple conversations um, throughout this term. So much so as um, this term we set up what we call task force. 
and one of them is the uh, Public Safety Task Force. And we realize it's not a, it's not a turning on a switch. It's not, not having a force one day and having a full force the next day. It's, it's, it's steps, right? Three, four years ago, we didn't even have full security on the nation. Now we have a uh, peace officer, uh, senior manager. We have, a, uh, we have some peace officers um, that have gone through the Alberta peace officer training. And, uh, and we're transitioning. We're doing a transition step. So we do realize it's, it's a process. And we're working through that process. But we are trying to bring on the federal government. We are trying to bring uh, them along with the process. Right now, Alberta's uh, on board. And we're working uh, through our uh, connections to make sure that the federal government is also on board as well, because it is going to take a collaboration from both groups to make this happen. And it's really critical that we have our force on the nation. Again, we've worked closely with the RCMP. Uh, we've got good relationships with the RCMP. But there's a huge difference between having somebody come on the nation and then somebody that's actually on the nation, that knows the nation, and knows the people. And again, by having our own peace officers, by having our own security on the nation, we've seen those reaction times reduce. We've seen those uh, numbers go down. And when the numbers go down, the cost goes down. You know, it's not, it's not a one, one on one. It, there's a, there's, it's very correlated. You know, when you see, um, if you know, if you know you don't have any kind of um, repercussions, you're, 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 you're less likely to uh, have any kind of uh, rec any recourse or worry about it. But if you think when you go into Calgary, you know there's going to be police. You're not just going to run red lights. You know there's going to be RCMP on, on the highway once. You're just not going to do one, 160 the whole way because you know there's going to be a, a repercussions. If you went to a place that you knew did not have a police force, well, what's the repercussions? That's why we make up as First Nation people a small percentage of, the, of Canada, yet look at the high percentage of missing and murdered. Look at the high percentage of um, overdose and, and all these other, the negative statistics. A lot of those go because of inadequate training, inadequate policing, in, and on, on especially a large land base. We're the second largest First Nation in Canada from a land perspective, second largest First Nation from a land perspective, yet we don't have policing. But as soon as you go across the tracks, a 200-people hamlet has an RCMP. You would never see that if it was flip-flop. You would never see a 200-people First Nation with a police force and a 5,000, 8,000 municipality without one. So I'm just talking about equitable, equitable treatment. It's not been equitable treatment. And we've done studies. We've done leakage studies. Millions of dollars are going from Guy to fund Southern Alberta. We just did a large land claim, and 300 million of that dollars is going into Alberta's economy within the next year alone. 300 million dollars. I challenge you to name any other municipality in southern Alberta that's done a $300 million injection into the Alberta economy. So, you know, we're not freeloaders here. We're not asking for a free ride. We're funding it ourselves. So we're just asking for cooperation from Alberta, cooperation from the federal governments to keep our people safe. Thank you.
the data look like when the RCMP are called and they have to come on to the nation? It's slow response times, I'm assuming, because they're coming from, from, from I will say in the, in the last two or three years, we've, had, we've worked, done a lot of work with our RCMP. Matter of fact, one of our council members is the liaison for, for the RCMP. So when anything happens now on the nation, we do get that uh, instant um, feedback. We didn't have that even four or, five, four or five years ago. So we are working to get that relationship better. We are working to get that relationship better and better, but still, even as good as if we had the best relationship with the RCMP, it's still not the same as having our own. If Chestermere had the best relationship with Calgary, do you think Calgary would say, you know what, we don't need police, we can just rely on Chestermere? You would never see that anywhere else. So, so when we talk about a First Nation, that's what we need to think. You know, will we see this anywhere else? You know, we've had, we've had people this year that passed away from domestic violence and the ambulance could not find their house. The police could not find their house because they might, it might not have uh, Elm Street, it might have a, 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 a map four, house 15. Well, our security knows where that is. The RCMP detachment might not know where that's at. So those critical minutes to save that life is the difference between going to the ambulance and going to the morgue. And our people have been going to the morgue a lot more than they should be. So it's those things, it's equitable treatment. It's equitable treatment. So that's all we're seeking. Well, um, I think when we had been having conversations and consulting with both municipalities and indigenous communities, um, both, both through me and, and the previous justice minister, that we had heard from indigenous communities, uh, concerns about not having a path forward in, in for them to be able to establish their own um, uh, indigenous uh, police services on, on their, their lands. So um, we, we heard that, that feedback loud and clear and that's, that's part, of, part of what came out of those consultations is, is wanting to be able to work with our indigenous communities and, and make sure that they have the opportunities. They do have a roadmap in being able to, um, to look into and if, it's, if it works out to establish their own. Ways in which that, for example, here in Sisika, they might be able to uh, have their own police service again or communities where, uh, where we already have Lakeshore Regional serving um, multiple um, nations in, uh, in northern Alberta, maybe, maybe expanding and uh, continuing to, to provide police services to, to more nations. Um, so those, those, that's the purpose of those $30,000 grants, to, to begin that first step in the roadmap and to being uh, able to establish um, an indigenous police service. Thank you, Richard. Well, I mean, I'll say this, because a lot of RCMP officers have mistakenly 
um, taken the conversation about a provincial police service as criticism of them or an attack on them, and it's not. And I, I think um, I speak uh, on behalf of everyone in, in, in the um, in, in government of, of Alberta in saying that we respect the work that the RCMP do. We thank them for all the hard work that they do in keeping our community safe. Um, but there are lots of reasons why Albertans have been wanting to have this conversation about a provincial police service since I was in high school, and I'm now in my mid-40s, and there are a lot of opportunities for us to be able to learn from those conversations. Um, I would say this is separate, that the, the, the work that we can do to making sure that Indigenous communities in Alberta have the opportunities and, and, a, and a roadmap to being able to establish their own uh, Indigenous police services is separate. Um, but for those who would want to continue to to be policed um, by a provincial police service uh, if, if we ever made the decision to do that or to continue to be policed by the RCMP. We'll, we're really interested in continuing to work with Indigenous communities and hear from them. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Mr. Uh, Operator, can you please put through the first caller? Rachel Emanuel, True North. Hi, my question is for Minister Shandro. Uh, Minister, as you know, two Ongoing UCP leadership race are supporting the Alberta Policy Act. I'm wondering if you would be able to give an on the act as uh, your role. So is that about the Sovereignty Act? I missed that because we, we lost some audio. So do you want me to repeat the question? Please. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping for your position. So it's clipping. Did anybody catch that the first time? Sorry, Rachel, you're not coming through. Can you please repeat your question? Um, I asked the minister for his position on sovereignty. I think it's about the sovereignty act. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe take that as a question about the sovereignty act. I'll say this. Um, I understand the frustration that Albertans have now and have had for, for many years about um, overreach from Alberta into provincial jurisdiction. Um, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why this government has, has done a lot of work to be able to, to address those concerns and uh, to be able to hear those concerns from, from Albertans. So there's been a lot that we've done as a government. I think there's a lot that still does need to continue to be done as a province. Um, for me personally, um, um, I, I, I would personally support opportunities for us as Albertans to, to protect ourselves against overreach from Ottawa which doesn't, doesn't increase legal risks on, on ordinary Albertans and, uh, and businesses. And so that would be one of my concerns with this proposal. But um, I do hear loud and clear the frustrations that Albertans have been having for, for many decades when it comes to provincial uh, jurisdiction um, and, and overreach from Ottawa. That's great. No, thank you. Thanks. Catherine Grigowski, Alberta Today. Thanks for taking my question. Um, sorry if this has been asked, but I'm wondering what types of policing will be provided, if you could speak to the, the type of operations, and whether there will still be that overlap with the RCMP on some files. Well, in, in some of our Indigenous nations, there, there are, are times when they have to, to work with the RCMP to, to be able to um, make sure that there is um, sufficient policing in a, in a community, which is one of the reasons why a few weeks ago we worked with um, the existing Indigenous police services to be able to, to boost the, the complement, uh, increasing 
um, each of their police services by five officers each um, to make sure, as, and this, this goes to what, what Chief said, this, this, is about, this is about equity. This is about making sure that Indigenous police services in Alberta um, and in our Indigenous communities have equitable policing and, and every Albertan, regardless of, of where they live, um, deserves to feel safe. Um, policing is uh, provincial jurisdiction. Um, there are lots of good reasons of why the federal government does provide funding through the FNIPP. Um, and to go to your question then, what, uh, to the extent that um, Siksika will be able to um, provide policing in, in, their, in their communities, I think is going to have to now be left to the next step, which is the federal government coming to the table, um, hearing us and, and the nation loud and clear that it's time for them to unfreeze the FNIPP and work with the, the nation to be able to answer those questions. Thank you, sir. Uh, Ball? Uh, yeah, so as was mentioned at the top, um, Siksika did have a police force. So I'm wondering what lessons were learned from that and how are we going to make sure that we don't have the provincial and federal governments stepping in again to dissolve this force. Do you want to answer that one? Sure. Okay. Uh, good, good, good question. Um, there was a lot of things uh, that was probably 20 years ago when, when that happened. Um, at that time, we were solely relying upon our federal transfer agreement and, and these funding arrangements. So. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm really working towards in, in developing our trust agreements is basically becoming not so reliant upon the federal government. Yes, we want to have these uh, funding relationships in place, but at the same time, at the end of the day, it comes down to uh, safety. It comes down to keeping our people safe. So, um, you know, we're going to work with the federal government. We're going to work with the province to come up with a relationship, to come up with, with some kind of agreement. And at the same time, you know, as Six Cigar, Chief of Council for Six Cigar, we're also, you know, we have, we're, we're starting to develop our own funding sources. So, you know, if it, a, a nation should not ever, any municipality, any nation, any community should not just be taken away. It's just crazy that a force could just be taken away. You know, you would never have Strathmore just all of a sudden not have a police force. It's unheard of anywhere but a First Nation. But again, you know, we want to put those, um, you know, other on-source revenues and other things to decide if we have to match certain things up. You know, again, at the end of the day, it comes down to um, we got to start keeping our people safe. And that's working with the federal government. That's working with the uh, province. It's cutting through the, the red tape, cutting through the bureaucracy. One of the things that we showed people during COVID, we were the only First Nation in all of Canada that I know of, I'm willing to stand corrected if found corrected, but we were the only ones that opened up our vaccination center to our three surrounding counties. We vaccinated Newell County, Wheatland County, Vulcan County, because we know we're not an island here at Sixty Guy. And what happens here at Sixty Guy to keep our people safe, we also want to keep our neighbors safe. That happened during COVID. The same thing applies to policing. The, 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 the more safe we are at Sixty Guy, the more, the better uh, services we have, the better services our neighbors are going to have. And we're not in a vacuum anymore. So what affects Sixiga, affects our surrounding counties, affects all of Alberta. That's why even though, you know, 
the reserve is federal jurisdiction, that's why we have Alberta at the table. Because we are Albertans at the end of the day. We're all Albertans. And the tagline, we're all in this together, it's cliche, but it's true. We're all in this together. So a safer 60 guy is a safer Alberta. So we're just trying to make, again, I'm going back to the statement I've always said since I was chief, we're not looking for any kind of handouts. We're looking for equitable relationships, equitable relationships every Albertan would, would expect. Every Albertan, a lot of times we take for granted that we call the police up if we see something going on in the neighborhood. We call the police up if something goes, we see something awry. Well, we don't have that same luxury here at 60 Guy. Because even on the weekends, if we call that same Gleeson detachment, it goes to Red Deer. That phone call doesn't go to Gleeson, it goes to Red Deer. So, you know, what does a Red Deer detachment, how are they going to detach that call in a timely manner? They're not. So, we know, when you make that phone call, you want that phone call to go to somebody that knows right down the road where that is. So again, we've been doing, making multiple steps to get our police and our, our, our security we have now, we're funding those with our own source revenues. We can't wait on the government to fund everything. We're funding our own security, our own peace officers, all our own programs. If you ride around 60 guy right now, you will see our own peace officers driving up and around the road with our own vehicles. Those are 100% funded by 60 guy. So those are the steps that we're making at 60 guy. Again, it's not going to be turn a light on and go from no police to police. There's multiple steps along the way. And that's what we're putting in place are these, are these, are these stepping stones to get us back to where we need to be. I hope that answers your question. Thanks, Chief. Thank you very much, Chief.